Well, hey, go ahead and have a seat. Welcome uh, to Genesis. Uh, my name is Michael, and uh, I serve here as the pastor. Super excited, thankful that uh, you guys are here. As I mentioned, this is first Sunday of 2013. I hope that uh, you had a great Christmas and a great New Year. And uh, as you are six days into 2013, I hope it's been an awesome six days thus far. Uh, I wanted to share a few things uh, as way of encouragement, also just to let you know what's going on. Uh, we announced this in December, but uh, we've hired a brand new worship pastor. Uh, his name is James Park. Uh, he and his wife, Yoon Mi, uh, live in Atlanta and uh, are going to be relocating to uh, hopefully the Woburn area uh, by the last Sunday in, um, in January. Uh, so it's not worked out yet completely, but uh, we're hoping that he'll be here by the end of January, if not uh, the first Sunday uh, in February. This was the uh, culmination of about 18 months of praying and waiting and seeking and searching and uh, talking to a lot of different folks, and we're super excited that God's raised up James uh, to move here and to be on mission with uh, all that God's doing with Genesis. So uh, a bit of a plea if uh, he's relocating, so he needs a place to live. Uh, if you know of anyone who's renting, if you know of anyone is uh, looking to rent space, whether it's a home, a condo, a townhome, an apartment, whatever it might be, uh, please let me know. Uh, we're trying to work out housing in the next uh, week or two. So if you have suggestions or ideas, uh, let me know. Again, we're looking to keep them uh, somewhere uh, in the Woburn area, uh, close to the Woburn area. So any ideas would be helpful. Uh, secondly, we didn't say much about this at the end of the year, but uh, Genesis is part of Acts 29, which is a church planting network. And uh, we did this about a year and a half ago. We hosted uh, the first ever Acts 29 Northeast regional event. And there was about uh, 150 pastors who came, ministry leaders, uh, their wives, their teams of people that they work with. Uh, we actually had, uh, I think it was nine different states were represented, people coming from the Midwest, certainly New England area, and even some folks from Canada. Uh, we are hosting uh, in about uh, three weeks' time uh, the next Acts 29 Northeast Regional, and it's going to be called The Pastor. Uh, we're expecting uh, really a big turn out on this one. Uh, and like we, when we hosted before, to do this well, and we want to do it well. We really want to care for the men and women that are going to invest their time, resources to be here. But uh, we're looking for about 20 to 25 men and women who would be willing to serve at uh, this event. It's 8 a.m. to about 6 p.m., uh, so it's an all-day, it's a sick day, personal day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we need you uh, and invite you to uh, take a day and invest in serving. Uh, the, we're hoping for about 200 people to be here on that day. So if you would uh, be willing to serve at that conference, we'd love to have you. And talk to me after church. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, I really want to make a big deal about this uh, in our community. Um, I feel like we've invited people in the past. But uh, once a month, our church gets together uh, for a time of prayer and a time of worship at something called The Well. Uh, we've been doing this for faithfully every month for about five years. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's me and about 10 other people. Sometimes it's me and about uh, 40 other people. Uh, but we really want this not just to be a few of us. We really want in 2013, especially after everything that we saw God do in 2012 with the ask and just inviting us to pray, uh, what might God do with us if we just showed up in full force uh, and said, you know, once a month, I'm going to make this a priority and a commitment to come and pray with my community, uh, to pray for my community and pray that God would do great things through our community. Uh, so that's this Friday. It's eight o'clock. We go to about 930 and it's literally just a time of prayer and it's a time of worship. And I would invite you uh, to make it a priority to say, you know what, 12 Fridays uh, this year, I'm going to come and worship and pray and just see what God might do. Uh, lastly, I'm excited to introduce you to uh, Zach Wiernicke. So Zach, if you would come up to a, a, a round of applause. Uh, many of you know, uh, if you're brand new, one of the things uh, at Genesis that we take very seriously is leadership. Uh, and so anyone who expresses a call to any form of leadership, whether it's a community group or a ministry team or someone, men and women serving as deacons, uh, or a, a man who has expressed a call to serve as an elder, uh, we take them through a process to examine that call, to examine their character. Uh, and this morning, I'm excited to introduce to you Zach, uh, who's gone through a very long process uh, towards uh, the road to eldership. Um, and I want you to hear a little bit of his story, and I want you to hear uh, him explain God's call in his life. Because two weeks from now, 
uh, we're going to bring, uh, the elders are going to bring to you uh, some men who have expressed a call to either serve Genesis as an elder uh, or to serve Genesis and ultimately Jesus as deacons. Uh, and so this week, I'm excited to hear from Zach a little bit. Next week, you'll have the opportunity to hear from a gentleman, Mike Costa and Ifong Yu, uh, who have expressed a call and have gone through a long process uh, to have that call examined. Um, when we think about a man's call, a woman's call on their life, uh, there's four things that need to happen. And uh, we're at the end of the four things. The first thing is there needs to be an expression of, as best as I can see it, God has called me to do this. Uh, and after that call has been expressed, uh, that call needs to also be affirmed, uh, if it's a guy who's married, that his wife actually affirms whatever that call is. Uh, and they say, you know what, I see that call, I see the characters consistent with that call. Uh, so that's the second thing. And uh, it's a great privilege and joy that uh, Zach's uh, wife, Amanda, uh, has just wholeheartedly affirmed God's call in this man's life to serve Jesus and his church as an elder. Uh, and then it comes to the elders as well of, uh, do the elders of the church uh, affirm uh, this man's call? Uh, and Zach will share this uh, in, in a little bit, but he's gone through a really long process, uh, a little over three years of having his call examined and having his character examined, having his marriage uh, examined, having his life completely examined to see, is he consistent with what scripture says is uh, the call character of an elder of a church? And uh, this was back in November, but uh, the elders unanimously affirmed and said, God, we're excited to affirm that you have raised this man up to serve Genesis and Jesus uh, as an elder. And then the fourth thing that uh, we do is we bring that elder candidate to our community uh, to say, hey, we affirm this man wholeheartedly, but we trust that God's going to speak through our entire community as well. So two weeks from now, uh, we're going to ask you to affirm three men. Uh, and so over the next uh, three weeks, I would ask, you would be praying, God, I don't, maybe this is the first time you're ever seen Zach, and that's okay. You're going to get to hear from him today. You'll get to read some of the things that uh, they've submitted as part of their process. Uh, but pray that God would speak to you as, hey, am I to affirm this man's call to serve as an elder? So Zach, if you would, long introduction, but uh, if you would, you grew up in the church. Uh, you've been in and around the church for a better part of your life. You're 29 years old now. Uh, when did the, uh, when did the gospel really get you? Uh, when did it really grab hold of you? And, um, what have you seen God ultimately been doing in your life, in your life, in your marriage and things like that over these past few years? Uh, well, first off, I just wanted to, uh, I don't know. Is it? it is now. Is it? Anyway. No, keep going. It's on. <laughs> um, so uh, I would say that the gospel has really been alive to me and really been real to me just in the last five years. As Michael said, I grew up in the church um, all my life, and I would have considered myself a Christian um, throughout those years. But I would say just when I started coming to Genesis uh, five or so years ago, the gospel really became alive to me. And I'll sort of go through three uh, main things. First, um, how's the gospel been affecting me as a man uh, in my marriage and then also um, just as a leader? So starting with a man, um, I think my awareness of what the gospel actually is has been renewed in the last couple of years. I sort of grew up um, believing in the religious Christianity realm of just be a good person, then God will love you. Um, and I didn't really have a deep desire and a compassion for people around me who didn't know who God was. And God has really been working on my heart with that and just making me aware that the gospel is for everyone. Um, it's not just for me. It's not just for good people, quote unquote, um, but the gospel is for everyone. And that's a great and wonderful thing that we have this great news and God has given us freely this good news to share with others. Um, I'd say another sort of point off that is that um, I righteously uh, deserve separation from God for eternity because of my sin against him. Um, and it's just so awesome that God loved me so much um, that he would come and pursue me and cancel that debt. Um, so that's been really real. I know that's very basic, and that's what um, Christianity is and it's what we believe, but that is just becoming real in my life in the past couple of years, and that's developed a passion and a care for th uh, the church as well as those that are not a part of the church. Um, as a husband, I think the go gospel has been shaping me um, because of my wife, and she's
He's been hanging out with me way too <laughs> yeah. long. She's, uh, <laughs> she's been a great sharpener for me, uh, just a mirror for my life, and has been a huge help in my character development. Um, so I can't talk anymore about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, but seriously, she's been just an awesome help to me, and she's my best friend. Um, so that just in my character development, she's been allowed, allowing me to see my sin and turning new leaves on the sin that I was okay with in my life and really um, just helping me grow a hatred for sin and a love for um, the gospel. And then as a leader, um, the gospel's been shaping me and just be, making me aware that this is good news and this has given me a great joy and an unashamedness um, for the gospel and what it is and that I shouldn't be afraid to share this great gift that we have um, to offer others because God has been generous w- with us and we can be generous with, with those around us. So as, I'd say those three main points, man, husband, leader, um, God has really been uh, molding me through uh, the good news. How about uh, calling, Zach? It's, uh, how would you articulate your calling uh, to serve as an elder? Uh, so, you know, highlight that. But uh, the question that I really want you to address, uh, I think most people uh, would be wondering, uh, you seem kind of young and Elder seems like you should be older to serve as an elder. Uh, so to those that would, you know, Zach is 29, uh, and so it'd be easy to say, well, can't be an elder. He's not an elder. Um, so what would you, how would you respond to folks who have just, you know, have that question in mind of, you know, your age and, and things like that? So address calling and understanding of calling, and then address that question. Yeah. Um, so as far as calling goes, uh, it was about four years ago when uh, it was about six months before we planted Genesis uh, here, and we had a leadership slash core group meeting in um, in Michael's house, and he had asked at the end of the meeting, he was just asking for servants, for leaders, uh, for elders, for deacons, for ministry team leaders, and um, as soon as he asked that question, I had just this heaviness that I believe that God put in my heart. Uh, it wasn't a burning bush. It wasn't a sign or, you know, there was no writing on the wall. But um, there was just this burden, this heaviness. And I, I had to be somewhere after uh, the meeting, so I wasn't able to stay uh, for long. But as I got into my car, I just felt the weight of this. And um, all I texted Michael was, I feel called. And from that point on, God has really been developing in me um, just a deep desire to um, become an elder, not because of I'm specifically gifted in this way. I'm actually not that great of a person if I've been finding this out over the years. Um, but uh, just this angst and this just pulling inside of me that has developed um, since that time. So I'd say the first thing that God has been really revealing to me in this call is just this deep desire and this weight, this burden to uh, serve the church and to serve those around it. And then uh, two more things, just character-wise, and I said this about my wife, and um, this certainly goes for Michael and the other elders and deacons and many people um, here today. You guys have been a huge help in shaping my character um, as a man, so I really appreciate that, and I'm really thankful for you guys as a church um, for doing that. And I believe that he has been, over the past five years, really been developing that. I've, I've not arrived, I've not, and I never will until I see Jesus face-to-face, but... Um, I believe that I have grown and God has helped me mature um, and helped me become moldable. And then lastly, um, just a big thing as far as call goes is just a confirmation uh, from my wife. She has affirmed me. um, And then also from the elders of this church, the deacons, and then from many of you, my people in uh, my community group and and so on and so forth. Um, And that's a big thing for me just to get the confirmation from those um, who I'm closest with and for those um, who lead here at Genesis. As far as the um, my age, um, uh, I was reading uh, this morning in First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and this is um, a letter from Paul to his uh, young apprentice, uh, Timothy, at the time. It says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And one of the biggest things for me, um, and I think what Michael's been teaching me is, you know, obviously we have to be competent, competent to be leaders, but the biggest thing is character. Um, and if I can just be an example, and that's my desire, is just to be an example. I'm not a special person. I'm not any great leader. Um, but if I can just be an example, if I can shine brightly uh, for Jesus and just be a light, um, then that's the most important thing. 
Um, so I'd say that that is uh, a big thing, and that encouragement from the Apostle Paul to his young apprentice, Timothy, really is a driving source. Um, yeah, just to, um, I don't know, just so you know, to, um, that's not a verse to be taken lightly. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul, uh, who is towards the end of his ministry life. Uh, and he knows that uh, the one that uh, he is challenged to plant a church in Ephesus and to serve as the pastor, elder, shepherd there, is he knows that the challenge, his challenge that he would face is, people, Timothy, are going to look down on you because he was in his early 30s when he got started. Uh, And so Paul says, don't worry about that. But Timothy set for them an example uh, of life and speech and faith and purity and love. And that's Paul's way of not giving an exhaustive list, but giving a total list of uh, just set an example of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And uh, specifically to the men of this church, and I challenge the men in the first service, is Zach has not arrived. I have not arrived. You have not arrived. uh, But Zach is setting a great example. He's got a long way to go. And part of his process was, uh, it didn't take three and a half years, so to speak, uh, just because he had these deep-rooted sin issues. It was, we, need, we want God just to give God time to continue to work and mold and shape him into the man that he is now uh, so that he can continue growing into uh, the character, the man that God is calling him to be. Uh, so whether you're 19, whether you're 39, 49, 59, 69, 79, or older, he's setting a good example. Uh, and so as the men of this community, I would challenge you, not perfect, but he's setting a good example. Uh, and Zach, my charge to you would be continue to set that good example, but you've done a great job with setting an example. It's been inspiring, encouraging, and a blessing to me. And I know other people who have spent any amount of time with you, uh, blessed and encouraged as well. What was the other verse you were going to read? Uh, just from First uh, Samuel, the story of uh, when Samuel was looking for the next king after Saul. Sorry. Uh, was looking for the next king after Saul. And uh, he went to... Um, he, he went to look for him, and he went through all of David's brothers. So David was going to be the next king. He went through all of David's older brothers, and David was the youngest one. And the Lord said um, to Samuel um, when he was looking for them, uh, looking for the right brother to become king, because he was sort of looking through the older brothers and saying, wow, this guy's great. And God said no. And oh, this guy is great. And God said no. And he got to David, and the Lord said, um, the Lord, God said to him, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's really spoke to me um, in the past couple months as I've been um, just processing and really just becoming uh, enlightened to the fact of what might happen here. Um, is just that man is really looking, God is really looking at your heart. He's not looking at your age. He's not looking at um, your competency. He's not really looking at um, how you look. or He's looking at right here. Um, and your character and how he can use you. And um, so that has really been encouraging to me uh, in the past couple of months. I've been thinking about um, my age and in relation to being an elder. Um, Zach, if affirmed uh, to serve as an elder, uh, what would be, you know, just give a super quick answer on this. Uh, um, how, how could we be praying for you? Like, how could we be supporting you uh, in living out and honoring God in your call? When uh, processing the last three years and looking at First Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1 where it's the qualifications um, that are listed there for an elder, uh, one of the qualifications that, is that he leads his home well. And uh, I want to do that really well. I want to lead the small church as it, well, as it were uh, really well. So I think the biggest thing that you can be praying for me for is my marriage and my um, hopefully future children. And I want to do that really well. I want to lead uh, really well and set the tone and set the example there. Because if I can't do that well, then I certainly can't um, lead anywhere in this church. So that would probably be the biggest thing. Um, two other um, uh, things would be uh, humility, just a continual um, desire to grow and to be teachable and to be moldable, and that the Lord would really continue to work on my life. Um, as Michael said, and I certainly can affirm, I have not arrived, and I'm not the perfect leader. I'm not the perfect Christian and uh, we all are, and we're in need of Christ. Um, so just that God would give me a heart that would continue to learn, continue to soak in the gospel and what he's um, done for me. And then just uh, just a focus um, would be uh, helpful that you can pray for me for, a focus on the, the future and what God would have for me and my family and how we, we are to serve and ministry and to love uh, the church.
Father God, thank you for this man. Thank you for the great things that uh, you've done in, with, through uh, Zach these past few years. God, thank uh, thank you, God, that you've given this man just patience. Uh, three plus years is a long time. Uh, but God, uh, Zach and Amanda have a great testimony of the awesome things you've done in their lives over these past uh, three and a half years. Uh, God, I give thanks that you've placed a burden, as he expressed, God, just deep within his own heart, uh, to serve you, Jesus, to love your church, and specifically uh, serve your church in the capacity of an, of an elder, a pastor, a shepherd. Uh, God, I give thanks for the many ways, uh, many people that you've used, uh, from Amanda to the elders and deacons, and um, God, just at many men and women in this church, uh, his own family, God, as well. God, I just give thanks that there's been affirmation after affirmation about uh, Zach's uh, call, Zach's character. Uh, God, I pray that uh, you would just encourage him, put a deep, growing love in his heart, Jesus, for you. God, just continue to increase his love, uh, his desire to sacrificially serve, come alongside Amanda. God, I just pray that you would only uh, increase his love and his passion for you and for his wife, and also for this church, Lord. Uh, God, I pray you give him a ton of wisdom, a ton of grace. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to make clear all of the things that you have for Zach uh, in these coming days, coming years, so that he could be faithful and honor you uh, just in being obedient to those things. And God, I pray for this church, for the community, the men and women that were here at 9 a.m. and the men and women that are here at 11 a.m. God, I believe that you will speak uh, not just to a few of us, but to our entire community. Uh, so God, would you speak, be generous with your voice in these coming weeks uh, as to uh, whether or not we are to affirm uh, Zach's call to serve you, Jesus, and to serve this church in the capacity of elder. But God, we give thanks. You've done a great work in his life. We know you're not done, but God, we thank you that uh, we thank, give thanks to you that you will be faithful to complete this great work. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Zach, thank you very much. I'm guessing that uh, at some point over the past uh, six days, if not even the past maybe uh, two weeks, you've been thinking about 2013. Um, if you didn't know, it's a brand new year, so welcome to 2013. Uh, and I hope you've been thinking a little bit about 2013, specifically, what's going to happen with you in 2013? Or more be, maybe more specifically, what does God want to do with you or in you or through you or around you in 2013? Uh, I'm excited to share with you today some of the things that God's been laying uh, on my heart as it relates to uh, 2013, especially for our community. Uh, but it's hard to look forward without considering what happened last year. Uh, last year, we uh, sat here the very first Sunday in January 2012, and I shared with you what I really believed was an invitation from God to our entire community. We just called it the ask. And the whole heart of the ask was really driven by James chapter 4, verse 2, where it just says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And our desire last year was to really accept and enter into that invitation that by the end of 2012, uh, you would have a testimony of, wow, I asked, but God did immeasurably more than all I even asked for. And uh, if, you were, uh, if you were here last week, uh, it was a powerful Sunday of hearing testimony after testimony, eight testimonies actually, of men and women who just gave thanks and shared, this is what God did with me and around me in 2012. And despite a sermon series coming to a close, I hope that you're not having the attitude of, well, I'm done asking. I got nothing left to ask for. I, I hope in many ways, we're not doing another ask per se, but uh, I know for me and for my family, we're going to continue to ask. And I hope that in 2013, 2014, and the years and years to come, you would always be really crystal clear on what it is you're asking God for, ultimately what it is you're trusting God for. Uh, and it's not just like you ask once, that throughout the year, daily, weekly, monthly, is just asking God because he's invited you to ask him. Now, today, uh, really excited to share with you what God has just been putting on our hearts uh, for what does God have for Genesis in 2013? Or what are the things that God wants us to be focused on or uh, to be really wrestling with and being committed to and faithful with in 2013? And in many ways, I could sum up this invitation in just two simple words. Uh, and the two words would just simply be this, be generous. 
my heart for, for me, my heart for my family, and my heart for the Genesis family is that in 2013, we would be generous to all people at all times with all things. This is the invitation I really feel like God has pressed on my heart, pressed on our hearts, and I'm excited just to see what, what God might do with a community of men and women who are absolutely committed. Uh, I'll be generous at all times, in all places, with all things. Now, the reality is, I have no idea what God will do. I don't have any spiritual insight or crystal ball of what God will do. But what I am excited to do is begin a journey with this community and excited to see what God will do with a community of men and women who are absolutely committed to being generous at all time, with all people at all times, uh, with all things. In many ways, the question that I'm going to spend some time on today and the question that I hope you do not forget, and it's a question that you just continually ask yourself throughout each day is, how could it, what would be the most generous thing that I could do in this moment with this person in this situation? What is the most generous thing that I could do? And you would do it. You would be a living answer, so to speak, to that question. Now, you, don't, you won't have an answer to this, but think about this for a second. How many decisions do you make on a day-to-day basis? Like, if you really think about it, it it's, I'm not even sure you could count how many decisions you make on a day-to-day basis. And what I'm excited about is that the decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis would be filtered through what would be the most generous thing that I could do. And by the grace of God, you would do that very thing. And again, I have no idea what God will do with this, but I believe God's inviting us to say, you know what? Be a people, men and women, be a community that would be generous to all people at all times with all things. Now, we're only six days into this, uh, and I know this is new for many people here, uh, but for me and Kyle, I've already seen it's making a difference in our home, and it's making a difference with those around us. Uh, Because there's already been times where we can have gotten frustrated with each other over a miscommunication or something, or there's been a situation we've already been in where it would be easy just to be disgruntled or bothered or hurt, or just notice this the other day, driving to a wedding uh, Friday night. I don't know if you've ever been in the car and someone cut you off so bad, you literally had to like slam on the brakes, because if you didn't, you're just going to hit them. And it was one of those things where that happened, and I'm like, I cannot believe, the guy didn't even wave. Like, he didn't do like the thing like, so sorry, he was not paying attention. He was just like, I could care less about you. And, he, and my first response normally would have been, I probably won't tell you what it would be. But the thought that I honestly said out loud to Kyla is be generous. And so I've already seen that it's making a difference in my life with decisions or actions or reactions is God is helping already. And it's just the better way of whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance you're in, no matter who you're around, asking yourself the simple question of what would be the most generous thing that I can do right now for this person? And you would do that. In many ways, I want you and I want myself as well to experience a promise from Jesus to you. And this was the promise that uh, Jesus gave. This is the apostle Paul quoting Jesus in Acts 20. Bless you. He says this, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I think many people, you're like, hey, I've heard of that before. I want us more than just to know this or hear this. I want you to have a living testimony of, wow, I experienced in my commitment to be generous to all people, and no matter the situation and no matter the person, it is more blessed uh, to be generous. It is more blessed to give than it is actually to receive. Now, similar to the ask, be generous, it's going to be more than just a sermon series that we kind of visit throughout the year. Uh, For us as church leaders, we're going to be filtering decisions through a simple framework or a simple grid. God, what would be the most generous thing that we could do in this decision? 
God, as we think about this direction, what would be the most generous thing that we could possibly do? And we want to do that. So please think about this. Make a commitment to this of every decision filtered through what's the most generous thing and being committed to doing that. Now, today I'm excited to cover, well, what does generous living really look like? And in the next two weeks, we're going to cover uh, the topics of generous serving and generous giving. And then just kind of peppered or spread throughout this year, we're going to cover things like generous words, generous marriage, generous neighbor, generous works, generous grace, generous memory. So we're going to cover a lot of different things as we walk through 2013 uh, together. But again, be generous. This is the invitation I'm excited uh, to live out this year. Similar to the ask, I was excited to live that out and continue to live that out. But 2013, be generous. Now, two challenges that I wanted to give you up front. Uh, and I give you these challenges because this will not be easy. This will not come natural to us. So first challenge, I'll just give you two. First challenge would simply be this. Trust God with your generosity. So don't worry about the results of your generosity. So it would be easy to say, well, I'm going to do this. Well, gosh, I didn't get the reaction. I didn't get the response. I didn't get the applause. I didn't get the, the gratitude that I thought I would get. We're not doing something to get something. As I'll explain later, we're doing this because we've already been given everything. So trust your generosity to God. Don't worry about the details of how this will work. Just make the commitment, I'll be generous. And even if I don't see any fruit, if I don't see any results, I'm okay with that. I will never see that guy again who cut me off. But I know in my heart, my commitment was I want to be generous to him. I could have tailed him. I could have shown him some friendly gestures with my hands. I didn't. So I have to trust in that moment, somehow, some way, God will use that for his glory and for hopefully that guy's good. Number two, or second challenge would be this. Don't check out of be generous. Don't check out. Don't quit. Don't give up. Anytime that you are confronted, let's be honest, it's not easy to be generous. It doesn't like come natural to us to be generous. It's actually easier not to be generous than it is to be generous. So anytime that we make this decision that there's, we're going to have to sacrifice or there's going to be a cost or there's going to be some inconvenience to you, uh, it would be easy to say, gosh, this, this was fun for like a week, but it's now inconvenient. It's now too great of a cost. Or the sacrifice is just way too much. I can't keep this up for 52 weeks. Don't check out. Don't give up on be generous. Because I really wholeheartedly believe that as we seek to do this and seek to honor God with this, uh, individually and as a church, you will experience something you've never experienced before, the promise of Jesus to you. It's more blessed to be generous. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Uh, so don't give up because it will be easy to do. And I love how uh, the Apostle Paul was really challenging the church in Galatia on this very thing. And he said in Galatia 6, uh, verse 9 and 10, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. I don't know when that time is, but Paul says at just the right time. At just the right time, reap a harvest of blessing. When? How? Well, if you don't give up. Verse 10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Okay, so that covers everyone, right? Everyone. So every person, whoever they are, known, unknown, every person, the person in the car in front of you, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your coworker, your neighbor, everyone, the person taking way too long in line in front of you, everyone, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. Good translated, be generous to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. What might God do? I have no idea, but I'm excited to see what God will do with and through a community of men and women who would say, you know what, 
I'm going to be generous. I will be generous. Now, I'm excited. Uh, we did this with the ass. We gave you some helpful things, whether it was uh, some jewelry you could wear, uh, some postcards, some different things. We've got some great things cooking that we are excited to give you this year because we're going to be generous to you as way of reminders for you to be generous to all people in all circumstances at all times. But one of the images that I would love for you to have burned into your heart, soul, mind today and moving forward in the rest of 2013 uh, is the image of open hands. Now, just bear with me, be generous to me, but literally put your hands out in front of you like this, if you would. Play long. Don't say it's not cool to put your hands out. Put your hands out. Okay? This is the image that I want you to see of yourself throughout this coming year of what would it look like for you to literally live with your hands open wide? Because the alternative is just keep your hands in your pockets. You could sit in your hands. You could keep your hands closed-fisted. You can put your hands down now. Thank you for being generous to me. You played nicely. But what would it look like if you made the commitment to say, you know what? I'm going to live with my hands open. And at any moment in time, if God wants to put something in those hands, I'm ready. And if God wants to take something that he's put in my hands and relocate that to put in someone else's hands, I'm totally okay with that because my hands are not my pockets. I'm not sitting on my hands and my hands are not clasped like this, refusing to give what has been given to me. So this year, literally as best as you can, walk through every day, every moment thinking my hands are totally wide open. Now the consequences of living with your hands in your pockets the consequences of living with your hands literally sitting on them or closed-fisted, I'll just give you two of those, I think, what would be the consequences of that would be. Number one would simply be this. You'd be unable to receive all that God has to give you. You would be not in a, a posture or a position to receive from God all the things that God has for you. Now, I just want to read three verses, and I really want you to wrestle with these verses and ask yourself these questions. If this is true, gosh, maybe I really need to reconsider how I view, how I understand, and how I relate with God. And I believe these to be absolutely true. Jeremiah chapter 32 says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will rejoice in doing them good. Have you ever had the picture in your mind's eye of, my God rejoices. He takes great pleasure. He smiles upon doing good after good after good in my life. I think if we're honest, most people are like, he's kind of stingy. Seems like he's holding out on me. That's not true. Scripture makes clear God never is committed uh, to, not, uh, to, to, to doing good. Luke 12, Jesus says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Just sit with that verse for a second. Verse 31, he will give you everything you need. And so Jesus says in verse 32, oh, don't be afraid. If you've been given everything you need, then you have no reason to be afraid for it gives your father great happiness, joy to give you the kingdom. See, God is not a reluctant giver. He's not like begrudgingly sitting, shaking his head like, oh, fine, take it. When it says, that uh, in verse 32, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Do you realize what that means? That's a picture of God has given you himself. He's given you absolutely everything. If he's given you the kingdom, that means he's given you everything within the kingdom. And he's done it in great joy. How about Romans 8? It says this, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else. Again, this is a short list of scripture that highlights one truth again and again and again, that God is a generous God, and he is a God that is bent on being generous towards you. I think many people have a hard time accepting or embracing that truth because there's confusion between what we want and what we need. And we often look at what we want and don't have and declare, well, clearly he's not good because I don't have what I want. I, I want the girl. I want the guy. I want the relationship. I want the marriage. I want the job, the money, the career. I want 
and the list is long. And well, clearly, I don't have what I want. Therefore, God is not a generous God. And I want you to know right now, and this might not be new news to you, but God has already given you everything you need. There is nothing else in your life that you need right now that God has not already supplied you with. I don't know if you believe that, but I believe that's what scripture teaches. That's what I believe with all my heart. I already have everything I need. This is what uh, Peter says in his introduction. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. If you know him, meaning if you have knowledge, relational knowledge of God through Christ, right now you have everything you need for life and for godliness. Isn't that amazing? There is nothing else that he's already given you everything that you absolutely need. I realize that there's sometimes a big difference, a vast difference between what you want and what you need, but scripture makes clear in his generosity, he is bent on giving good and he's given you everything you need for this life, for life eternal and for a life of godliness. If you have your hands closed, if you are sitting on your hands, your hands are in your pocket, you're not in a position or posture to receive the good things that God desires to pour out on you on a day-to-day basis. And the beauty of God literally, and he does this, pours out just blessing upon blessing upon blessing through his spirit, is it's not a a one-dimensional thing. As he pours out, as he gives into our open hands, it's meant not only for our good and benefit, but for the good and benefit of those around us. Like how John Calvin said it, all the blessings we enjoy are divine deposits. So everything that God has given you, it's a divine deposit committed to our trust on this condition, that the very, that they should be dispensed for the benefit of our neighbors. That's what happens with open hands we receive, and then we close our hands. We're like, oh, sweet. I got it. I love it. I'm keeping it. It's so for me. But God says, no, keep your hands open because I'm giving that to you to provide for you, but I'm going to also use what I've given you to provide for someone else who probably does not believe that I'm a good and generous God. I would say a second consequence of keeping your hands closed would be this. You're unable to be generous with what God has generously given you. If your hands are closed, you can't, other people can't take what's in your hands. And I think that's the battle, right? I don't want people taking what's in my hands. It's mine. Everything that God has given you is for your good, for your benefit. But it's also to be used for the good and for the benefit of those around you. I like how uh, in a great book written by Tully and Tavingen, uh called Unfashionable, uh, it's a great book on, it's unfashionable uh, to walk with Jesus in this culture. And he says this, everything is a gift from God that we're to handle responsibly. Everything is a blessing from our creator, our resources, our time, our abilities, all are all gifts from God. The fact is we should consider ourselves stewards of everything in our lives. Every dollar we earn, every good idea that enters our minds, every possession we attain, every privilege we enjoy, we are to steward well all our skills, resources, experiences, influence, and social capital, investing them back into the created order for the good of other people. It's a long quote, but what he's saying is everything you have is from God. And it's to be used for his glory, and it's to be used for the good and for the benefit of those around you. And if your hands are closed, you're not in a place where you can freely give what was freely given to you. I think another verse that just makes this crystal clear is uh, Psalm 24. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So everything in your life, everything belongs to God. I think we love to take great ownership of things in our life. 
from the cars we drive to the homes, apartments, condos we have, to the clothes we wear, to the books, and all the special things that we, we claim them as ours. And I, I want you to be crystal clear. Everything you have in your life is, belongs to God. The socks that you are wearing right now belong to God. That is a gift from God to you. Everything belongs to God. And what is so freeing about agreeing with that and then living in light of that is, God, everything I have belongs to you. So however you want to use what you own for my good or for the benefit of others, my hands are open for you to use all things that you have placed in my hands. Now, this is where it just gets really hard to keep your hands open. Because once something goes in our hands, like it's not logical to be generous. I would say it's actually illogical to be generous to other people with things that you have. And here's my case study. Children, ask a child to share. And what's the child's response? Have you ever seen a child say, well, yes, it would be my joy, honor, and privilege to share with those around me all the great toys and and gifts that have been given graciously to me. Generally speaking, you ask a kid to share, what? You want me to give what to who? This is mine. I'm not going to give this away. Are you kidding me? They might take it. They might break it. They might lick it. They might poop on it. No, this is mine. Now, the reality is little kids grow up to be big kids. And those big kids are sitting right here right now. And the same kids who had a hard, difficult time sharing as kids, we might not be as dramatic, but when it comes time to share, uh, I'm sorry, you want me to do what? You want me to give to, to who? But that's, that's, that's mine. That was for us. That wasn't, that's not why I got that. It's really hard to be generous. But what I just hope you will see today and throughout this year, let's keep our hands open because everything in your life has been given to you by God. Everything. And I know this might be hard to grasp, but you already have everything right now for life and for godliness. There's nothing else that you need that God has not already provided for you. He's given you everything, absolutely everything. I want to just finish with um, really two questions uh, and maybe an application of what it's going to look like for us to live generously this year. If you don't have the right motivation uh, for being generous, it, it would be easy for you literally to walk out of here and be like, I'm so fired up. I'm going to go be generous to everybody. And then like Wednesday comes along and be like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. And you give up. So what would be your motivation to be generous today, tomorrow? And I'm talking generous to all people, generous with grace, generous with your resources, with your time, with your ideas, with everything. What would be your motivation? And here is your motivation. I would encourage you to write this down. It's a short sentence. Your motivation to be generous is because God's been generous to you. That's it. My single motivation to be generous to anyone, whether known or unknown, is because God has been absolutely generous to me. I realize that for some, maybe many here, it's hard to believe that God's been generous to you because you look at what you want and you don't have and declare God not to be generous. But God has given you everything you need. Everything. He's given you absolutely everything. There was a church that was struggling with generosity. There was a church that was struggling to be generous. And so Paul reminds them, guys, this is your motivation to be generous. And he says this in 2 Corinthians, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. The one who had everything gave up everything so that those who had nothing could receive everything. And we're not just talking about dollar bills here. The one who had everything 
said, I'm going to give all of that up so that those who are spiritually impoverished and have absolutely nothing, meaning they don't have God, they don't know God, they're separate, I will become poor so that they can become absolutely rich. Rich, knowing God and receiving from God all that we need for life and godliness. I like how um, Tim Keller said in his book, Counterfeit Gods, Jesus, the God-man, had infinite wealth. But if he had held on to it, we would have died in our spiritual poverty. That was the choice. If he stayed rich, we would die poor. If he died poor, we would become rich. Think on his costly grace until it changes you into generous people. Think, meditate, consider, remember his costly grace until it brings a change and transformation for us to be generous people. The single motivation for me, for you, for us as a church of to be generous is because God has been generous to you. I think what hinders people generally from being generous is we tend to be karma people. We tend to be people who are, well, I'm going to give them what that person deserves. I'm going to give them what their performance calls for. And that is the absolute opposite of who God is and what God is like. Now, you might not like this example because it's going to make you feel uncomfortable, but what if your server, what if your waiter, waitress just did a bad job? They just did a really bad job. For whatever reason, it was just an off day for them. Does your tip, is it dependent upon their performance? And I think most people would say, well, yeah, that's how the system works. If they do a bad job, they're going to get maybe 5 maybe 10%. Maybe I might give them like 12 13%. I'll throw in an extra dime. That's a karma person. I'm going to give them what they deserve. But the call, the invitation from God to you, be generous. So hypothetically, the next time you're at a restaurant and the service is terrible, give them 30%, give them 40%. Why? Because you're going to trust God with your generosity. You're not giving because they deserve 20, 30, 40, 50%. You're giving because your motivation to give is driven by God gave you. Can you imagine if God was a karma God? If God gave you based on your performance? Like, we couldn't live under that system. God is not at all a karma God. I love Titus. Maybe if you have your Bible open, write this verse down, Titus 3. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasure. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. So this paints a pretty bleak picture. We were messed up, we were evil, and we hated each other. So that's another way of saying our performance, it wasn't going well. Verse 4, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed, our sin, washed away our sins, giving us new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of his grace he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. God's not a karma God, so let's not be karma people. Let's not give what we think people deserve. Let's not give based on what their performance was. Let's give as God has given us. So be generous as God has been generous to you. Our motivation is that God's been generous. God has been generous to you. Now, this will be a really challenging question, uh, but how you answer this question is really going to determine your ability to be generous or not. Uh, And the question is just simply this. Are you full with God? Are you satisfied with God? Is everything that you have in God enough for all of you all of the time? Because if it's not, if you're at a place where you're not fully satisfied with God, 
if you can't answer in, in confidence and truth, yeah, that God is enough for all of me all of the time, no matter where I am, God is enough. If you're not there, then what happens is you will use generosity to get from others what is missing in your life. And so under the mask or banner of being generous, we're actually using people of, I'm going to give you this because I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to give you this because what's missing in my life is an aspect of love or respect or affirmation or significance or worth. So I'm going to give, and it looks like I'm being ridiculously generous, but what's happening is I'm not fully satisfied with God. So what's missing, I'm going to try to fill in the void here. I just want you to know, if you know God, have a relationship with God through Christ, you have enough. He has given you absolutely everything. And when you are fully satisfied with all of God for all of you, all of the time, out of the overflow of a full person, generosity springs not to get something, but because I've been given something. So are you satisfied with God? Fully satisfied with God? That his love, his grace, his kindness, his mercy, his compassion, his holy, all of God is, are you fully satisfied? I think, honestly, most of us would have to say, no, I'm not there. But my hope for you today would be this. You'd grow. You'd say, you know what, January 6th, I want to grow in being fully satisfied with God, that God is enough for all of me, all of the time. And so my challenge for you would be this, for me, for all of us, for our church this year. I already mentioned this, but every decision you make, every person you're with, let the question just resonate in your mind and heart, what would be the most generous thing that I could possibly do? And I will give all of myself to all of them. And the only way that you can do that is because you're full of God. You're full with God. One of the things that challenges me about the Apostle Paul is a great verse that just convicts me to the core in Thessalonians. He says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. That's Paul's way of saying, I wasn't just about a message. I, was, I loved you enough to say, I'm going to give all of me to all of you, because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just come and say, hey, this is what you need to do, and you need to jump through this hoop and do this and this and this. That's the message, peace out. He came with the message, but then he gave all of himself. So my, my invitation for you, for, for me, for all of us, would you give all of yourself to the people that God has placed in your life? I know you hear that, I'm like, that is an impossible task. It would be absolutely impossible void of God in your life. It's just not possible. But for those of you here today who know God, are known by God, have a relationship with God through Christ, you've already been given everything. Keep your hands open. And when God brings people every day into your path, I'll be generous with my words to that person. I'll be generous with my forgiveness. I'll be generous with my grace. I'll be generous with the money that's in my wallet. I'll be generous with the gifts, the talents, the time, all of those things. Why? Because whatever God takes out of one hand, he's just reorchestrating. He's going to put more. So I can be more generous. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as God, I pray that this would be uh, an incredible journey for us. God, I pray that in 2013, God, we would experience a promise, Jesus, that you made, that it is more blessed to be generous, to give, than it would be just to take. God, I pray that each of us would be utterly, absolutely convinced that with you, God, we have everything we need for life and for godliness. God, I pray that hearts right now would be convinced that we have everything 
because you've given it to us. So God, I give thanks that you are a generous God. Jesus, I gave thanks. I give thanks to you, Jesus. You had everything, but you gave everything so that those, us, who had nothing, could have it all. God, I pray that burned in our minds today, tomorrow. God, Holy Spirit, please do this work in us. Tattoo in our brains and hearts. This question of how, what would be the most generous thing? And Holy Spirit, I would just ask that you would give us in abundance your spirit to, to do the most generous thing. To whoever it is, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance might be. God, we trust this journey to you. We trust that you've invited us to walk this path, to be generous as you've been generous to us. God, great things. We trust for great things that through us being generous, people might catch a glimpse, catch a glimpse of what a generous God you are. If you are a Christian today, come celebrate communion. And as you would pick up the piece of bread and dip it in the wine uh, or the juice, literally hold that piece of bread just for a moment and let it remind you of the generous gift that Jesus gave to you. And that he gave his life, all of his life, not just a message, but he gave himself so that you could have everything you need for life now, life eternal, for life of godliness. So if you're a Christian, celebrate with great joy and gratitude what Jesus has freely given to you. And if you're not a Christian, I invite you today to begin the journey. I invite you to place your faith in Jesus. It is Jesus who gives everything we need to be right with God.